0: Welcome to Taft Talks, a podcast from the modern law firm. In this ongoing series, Taft Talks Probate, Minneapolis private client partner Bob McLeod discusses hot topics and timely information surrounding private client litigation for trusts, wills, guardianships, and conservatorships, and more.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Bob McLeod for another edition of Taft Talks Probate. And today we're going to have a short discussion compared to all the longer ones I've had recently. And this one is when someone wants to be repaid for services provided to a decedent before they died. Now this pops up actually fairly regularly in probate. What happens is someone uh, provides services to an elderly person, or maybe they're not elderly, who knows, maybe they're just young and sick. But the point is, one person is providing services to another, and that other person dies. And then the person providing services says, I want to be paid for those services that I provided. So they file a claim with the probate estate. This happens on a fairly regular basis. And, of course, in this situation, we're typically talking about a situation where no uh, written contract was written up certainly before the services began, which makes it all the more complicated. So the personal representative is then faced with the dilemma of whether to allow the claim or whether to disallow the claim. Now we're not getting into whether the services were provided as a product of undue influence or other uh, matters that might affect whether the claim should be paid. We're strictly looking at the contract issues. And there's a fair amount of case law on this topic of how to deal with this type of claim. We're going to go all the way back to a case law back in 1922. And I'll read you a quote. Uh, Some of the law doesn't apply, but I'll read you the quote. It says, the presumption that the services are gratuitously rendered by a child so long as it remains in the parental home, A partaker of its benefits and comforts may be overcome by facts and circumstances from which an implied promise to compensate may be inferred. In this case, there must not only be an inference of intention to pay, but also that payment could not be demanded until after the decedent's death, for otherwise the statute of limitations pleaded as a defense would be a bar no service having been rendered within more than 10 years prior to the making of the claim, period, close quote. And that's an old case, in Ray Estate of Klesig. Uh, it's 189 Northwest 2nd, 424, it's a 1922 case. The, the first important point, though, about this case is that there is a presumption that if a child is living with the parent, that the child is providing the services to the parent gratuitously, particularly if the child lives with the parent. The idea being, you take care of your parents. Uh, You know, it's your obligation to respect your father and mother, and when you're living in the home, it's your normal obligation to provide care and comfort for your parents just as they did for you when you were growing up. So that's the initial presumption. So what we're looking at here is trying to beat back that presumption and, and be paid. So the court says the presumption can be pushed backward and overcome if the facts and circumstances imply explicitly or implicitly that you're going to be compensated for the services. Of course, you might imagine what the problem is there. Very often, the person providing the services wasn't communicating with other family members, and this was not well communicated. And so The person providing the services said, oh, no, mom said that I was going to be paid for this, dad said I would be paid for this, and no one else ever heard it. It never fell upon anybody else's ears other than the one who wants to be paid. That's typically how this ends up becoming a dispute. Note that this court also talks about that the idea is, or the agreement was, you wouldn't be paid until death, meaning you had to take care of them until they died, and then that means the contract isn't complete until that time so the statute of limitations arguably would not run for the claim because if you were to be paid contemporaneously with your services some statute of limitations might run. And of course this case talked about 10 years and a shorter statute of limitations may very well apply. So we have the starting presumption that kids are to provide services for their parents gratuitously. They're supposed to take care of their parents particularly if they live in the home. That presumption can be uh, pushed back by direct or indirect evidence and inference that you would be paid for the services and you can even have it provided that you you would be paid for the services only after death to address the statute of limitations. But that's obviously not the end of the inquiry. There have been many, many cases over the years that have addressed different subtleties in these factual dynamics for example, Inray Tilghman's estate, and uh, or Olson versus Tilghman, T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. No idea how, how to pronounce that. It's 61 Northwest 2nd, 743. It's a 1953 case. There, what happened was the court found that the presumption that family gives care without compensation was not applied where the daughter and father had no relationship for 50 years before the daughter took over the care obligations. So in that case, it looks like uh, there was no family relationship at all for 50 years. But then apparently the daughter moved in and took care of the father. And then after he died, she said, I'm supposed to get paid. Obviously, someone must have disagreed and there was a fight about it. And the court said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, They haven't had a relationship. There's no family relationship here. She provided services. We're not going to apply the presumption here. This person is going to get paid. A somewhat more recent case was in Ray Estate of Beecham, B E E C H A M, 378 Northwest 2nd 800. That's a 1985 case. And that's where evidence showed an implied contract that overcame the presumption of gratuitous services. Now you'll find lots of other unpublished cases and and different cases out there applying these general principles. So when advising your clients about being paid for taking care of the parent, you might want to keep these cases in mind. Maybe look up some of the more current cases, particularly the unpublished cases. And if this matter ends up being part of a probate that you're trying to administer or helping a client file a claim. It's a common claim, it's a common point of dispute, and it's largely answered by facts and circumstances and whether you can present a case that the presumption doesn't apply or if the presumption applies, whether you can push the presumption back and have the person paid or not. So it's, it's not a point of contention that's going to go away in the near future. Uh, I've never, I have not ever heard any talk about trying to create a statutory analysis of this issue, but it's largely going to take examining your facts and circumstances, pulling the cases, see what's similar, see what's not, and applying these general principles to the, to the case you'll have. So good luck to you. Those are never fun cases and someone's always happy at the outcome and someone's always mad. But that's kind of the nature of a probate, isn't it? So until next time, we'll see you on TAF Talks Probate.
0: Thank you for listening to Taft Talks. If you liked this episode, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the modern law firm. This podcast provides general information related to the law. Taft Talks is not providing legal advice and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed on Taft Talks belong to the individual attorneys on the program and do not necessarily reflect the firm's position. For questions and comments, please contact podcast at taftlaw.com. Additional information about Taft can be found at taftlaw.com.